Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt, and uh, I am today's host. I'm Peter Karutz, and we are live in studio with Sean Miller. Hi, Sean. Hello there. He has been here a couple of times, and we are becoming a regular fixture here about once a month. (laughs) And this is St. Joseph Radio Presents. We are live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. Uh, Today's topic is, what, part two on... The laws of God. The and, laws of God. And you always have a good memory aid, so get your notepad out if you can. And if you can't, that's okay. That's why Sean has the memory aid. Right, it's defense. So if you think about it, going to a sports game and you see people who chant defense, defense, they got a big letter D and they're holding up a little fence. So my um, memory aid is going to be utilizing that with the various ways of describing the laws of God. The divine law, family law, ecclesiastical law, natural law, and civil law. All kind of then equals and flows from the eternal law. So defense, and we'll unpack that as we get going here today. There you go. And just remember that these laws, I remember, they're not no's, they're actually yeses, because these laws, these uh, aids that we have from our Lord and the Church help us live a a fulfilling life. It's a gift. I mean, it's a boundary. It's a way to really grow and play. I mean, like uh, I'm going to be speaking about what, what a, like a, Law, if you think about the opposite of law, wall, fence, you know, like all these structures are meant to kind of help us know who we are, our identity. It kind of, you know, just I think about my kids when they were little, I built a chain link fence because without that fence, they could have wandered into the street or whatnot. So it's a protective way. It's it's really a gift. But unfortunately, in our society, we see, you know, any kind of law as, as negative, as a wall, as like a keep out. But it's really a beautiful gift. So There you go. And before we get into it, we always start with a prayer, and I didn't warn you, but you get to start us out with a prayer, Sean. Please. I will. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, you are the great lawgiver, both in stone and in our hearts and minds. We invoke your Holy Spirit and the gift of his law of love to anoint this conversation we will have today, and for all upon whom these words will fall, present and future. We ask this through Christ, our teacher and Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm the Amen. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I, uh, I, when I was thinking about, like, when we pray, we, we pray, you know, to the Father, through the Son, and the Spirit. And you think about the persons of the Trinity, and, and you know, various works are appropriated to each. So from the Father of creation, you kind of see these physical laws. From the Son, you know, the, the Redeemer, you see these spiritual laws. He came to kind of to, to teach the Sermon on the Mount and the, and the various, you know, commandments and re-echoes what was taught in the Old Testament. And then you got the work of the Spirit, the Sanctifier, uh, who then has this interior law of love. So outside, B-side, inside, these laws are given. And so I was like, 
like a, I like how it flows, creation, Christ, and conscience, that these, these are the things that the Lord, you know, uses to guide us in, in, in life, these physical laws, these spiritual laws, and then this natural moral law within us. So if we would pay attention to that, it could be um, a beautiful world. So, you know, from really all eternity, God's will that all things act according to their nature. So created things obey the laws of nature, like physics, math, chemistry, gravity, and so on. Animals obey their instincts, and humans obey, or at least they ought to, uh, what's, you know, according to their nature, which is rational. So being rational creatures, we obey these laws that conform to reason and are made known and exist for the common good. So we say this eternal law is the combination of all the laws that conform to reason and exist for the common good of everyone. So that's just kind of a brief summary. Physical laws, natural laws, and so forth. But this memory, just to reiterate it, defense. So we're going to be speaking about this divine law that's the revealed Old Testament and New Testament. Then kind of flowing from that, you think about the Ten Commandments, that second table of the law is family law. Honor your father and mother. We'll talk about house rules, so to speak. Then we got these ecclesiastical laws, these church laws. So it's good to kind of speak about that. We did a whole presentation one time on, on that with the acronym of STREAMS, these precepts of the church. Then there's this natural moral law, and then uh, which is kind of conscience and so forth, and then there's civil law, the state and the constitution, all flowing from the eternal law, which really is uh, the mind of God. So, so praise God. Um, it's interesting when you think about all of this. Um, like I said before, Law is like a, if you look at it backwards, it's, it's wall. And you think about what walls do. Now, uh, my wife and I recently went down to St. Augustine, Florida, and we saw one of those great big forts. And that was the oldest fort in the country from built in 1672. Now, why would you build a fort? Well, uh, it got me thinking about this one talk I heard, and it was called Walls and Bridges by Bishop Barron. And uh, it's a really beautiful thing. He says that if you recall in the Bible, there is this scene where, you know, 587 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar sacks Jerusalem, and then they're uh, exiled. And then about, you know, 40 or 50 to 70 years later, they are, they are let go back by King Cyrus the Great, King of Persia, to go back and then to go back to their homeland. Well, here's the two guys in the books, Nehemiah and Ezra. Nehemiah is like the governor. Ezra's like the prescribe. What do they do? Well, Nehemiah sees the walls have been destroyed. So it's a sign they've lost their identity. You know, like, what, what do walls do? It's just like you think of our country. It, it, it forges who we are as a people. We know our identity. We're kind of safe in our structure. And then right away then, after they rebuild the physical walls, then Ezra finds the law you know, again, wall, law, and then he's got these spiritual laws about this is what unites them as a people. So that, you know, these various things are what to, are meant to make us kind of protect our integrity and to be a people. And you think about just our own country right now, what, what we've got, it's, you know, there's this big battle about borders, mm-hmm. who we are as a people, and then what is law? So we got to have wall and law. These th- two things go hand in hand because with without these borders, who are we as a people? And then do we just let anybody come in? And then without this spiritual law, so to speak, then who are we as believers, as a society? So we kind of really need both. So I really like the talk that Bishop Barron gave because he said that, you know, the purpose of these laws are not just to make us kind of hunker down, you know, behind our fort and say we're protected, that, you know, all walls have gates, 
and there's bridges, you know. And uh, he mentioned about Vatican II. He said that Vatican II is often misunderstood because he said, you know, we want to let the windows open, you know, but that doesn't mean you tear the walls down, right? So that sometimes, you know, just imagine what a society would be like if it was just open windows, open bridges, torn down walls. It's chaos, you know. And then just like we mentioned last time, it says that heaven has a wall, a gate, and a strict immigration policy. Hell has open borders. Let let that sink (laughs) in. That's true. I mean, you know, it's like there's something about protecting society, protecting the common good. Every family has a structure in their house externally, and they're meant to have a structure inside the house internally for the sake of the common good. And that's what the gift of the law is, the gift of what these walls do, is they protect us and they let us go forth that once we're safeguarded, we can go forth and go out so that we can let the windows open, not to let the air of the world come in, but to go forth and to shine that light. That's what these bridges are for. That's what these gates are for. But when you got the enemy coming in, you know, you got to have your fortress. So I always like the image of a turtle. You know, I was nicknamed that as a kid for some reason, but like, you know, turtle, it's got its shell when times are rough or some dogs trying to eat it. Right. (laughs) But then it can stick its head out and then go forth when, you know, so there's that, you know, back and forth, so to speak. So anyways, that's a kind of a quick summary of what law is. There you go. There you go. You know, I I was uh, at the baseball game the other day, and the the batter hit the ball. It bounced. It doubled back, hit him. (laughs) And uh, I'm like, what what in the world are you going to do? Well, I guess the people down on the field knew what to do. And and this is clearly a competitive endeavor, right, any sport, but without the rules – you can't be your yeah, best, right? That's right. right? And yeah. that's what this law, the, the laws we're doing here, that helps us be our best. Well, that's one of the gifts, if you think about this. So last time we mentioned that laws, they offer uh, kind of a safeguard, protective barrier for freedom for excellence. Think of any sport, like you were saying, golf, football, baseball, basketball, whatever. It's like without the mastery of the rules, you can't excel at the sport. Right. So then you think about, well, then what the heck is the purpose of my life? How do yeah. I become the best version of myself if I don't even know the framework for what I'm supposed to be, you know, and this is the problem with society right now is that we're trying to redefine even what a man and a woman is nature. It's like, well, if I don't even know who I am as a structured being, then how can I thrive in any kind of thing in terms of like the overall purpose of life, which we'll say is virtue, holiness, love, union with God, best version of ourselves. So it's like, you know, we think we're doing the world a favor by kind of breaking down the barriers or whatever, but it's like, you can't have freedom for excellence. If anybody just said, hey, you know what? I think, think in a baseball game we should have four strikes, not two. Or I think, you know, that, you know, the baseball, you know. Yeah, but for me, I'll have four strikes. You can have two if you <laughs> right. want. Right. Right? Yeah. It's a little nutty. Yeah. And I, I just mentioned, like, uh, the big law breaking. As we get into divine law, you think about the Ten Commandments and that uh, one of the big broken ones today. I mean, the first commandment's broken first. Second, second, probably third, third, which the third is to keep holy the Lord's Day. And it's like I said, let's say right now in the church, we've got seven out of 10 that aren't showing up for the game. Now, apply that to a baseball field. And just imagine if you had like, you're supposed to have nine players, but only three show up. So you might have a pitcher, catcher and, you know, first baseman. Well, can you compete against Team World if only three of your players are showing up to be at the game? You know, and that's kind of what the way it is with just people willfully missing mass. It's like you're not even part of the game. So, like, as a team, we're really struggling to kind of have a good defense against the world. So add that to your common 
parlance, if you will, your common language. Tell your friends, what are you doing tomorrow? What are you doing over the week? I'm going to Mass. I mean, if people hear it, they'll think about it. And and add an invitation to it. I'm going to Mass at 1215. Want to come. Yeah. So if we ha- – and you know what? Seven out of ten – seven out of ten people are going to need that invitation. Yeah, and it's – again, it's not just the keeping of the commandment of the third commandment. It is getting empowered in God's grace. It is worshiping for him Him for who he is. It's part of the order of life. It's gathering in community. So we'll say again, you think about this divine law. you got two tablets, right, Ten Commandments. So you've got tablet one, first three has to do with, you know, with God. Second three has to do with Man, and so that that second tablet, the the I'm sorry, the second seven there, that we're going to speak more about that when we get into natural law. That these it. are things that everybody should know, right? In by nature, yeah, yeah. That you know, you don't lie, cheat, kill, kill, steal, whatever. The the first three, you know, you could kind of make a case for them being part of the natural law, but really they're kind of these things that have to do with 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 who God is. So um, again, God's revealed these things, just in case you don't get it. Just like I said before, it's kind of like uh, if you don't know that. You're not supposed to put a hairdryer in the bathtub while it's plugged in while you're taking a bath. Just in case you don't get it, they got a sticker. Be sure <laughs> not to immerse while plugged in. Please. <laughs> but one of the cool things is that, like, uh, recently we went down to St. Augustine, Florida, like I said before, and uh, an old friend of mine just was ordained as a bishop. Beautiful service. Oh, wow. And then I was looking in the program, so we had spoke about the, the bishop's headdress, the mitre. It's kind of like going back to the Old Testament priests and what they wore, but... You know, I, I had heard that those uh, the the way it looks, it's kind of like representing the two tablets of the law. The law of God is that the the priest himself there is supposed to be, or the bishop is supposed to be the kind of the key shepherd to promote and promulgate the law of God. One of the beautiful things, by the way, about the service that we went to is that he's got a, his father and his brother are both permanent deacons. Oh, and wow. there's a time in the service when deacons hold the book of the Word of God over the bishop's head, and so here's his father and his brother holding his book. Uh, the the word of God over over his head of being ordained as as a bishop, but really cool to think about that. And then I read in the description that the two tassels on the mitre represent kind of the wings of the spirit. Oh, I, I never knew that. Yeah, so it's like this: the old law and then the new law, because at the end of the day, God gives us the laws of stone, but Christ comes to kind of take all the prescriptions of the law in himself, offered up to the Father, and then give us then this new law of love, which is the Spirit, which is then meant to be, we're, we're ordered not just by following words on stone, but a life in the Spirit. Now I'll just remind everyone, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. We're here with Sean Miller, and we're talking about God's law. The laws of God. And the uh, memory aid is defense, as in big D and then offense. Big D and then offense. Right. So um, stage one of God's revealed law is we'd say it's the old law, first stage. So you think about the Ten Commandments. It was to kind of, you know, make clear what we should kind of recognize about how to live Oh, you know, with with one another. These aren't the ten suggestions; they're commandments. <laughs> you know, they right. are. They're still they codify in a simple way. You know, rightful, decent behavior. And so, for anybody that doesn't know, and I, this is something you might, if if you're a member of the Knights of Columbus or some other group, like I, there they had a thing years ago where you could buy these monuments where you have the Ten Commandments oh, in front of your yeah. church. We have forgotten as a society these basic laws. 
you know, we kind of presume that everyone gets these, but it's like, you know, over the years I've taught RCA and various things, you know, you ask someone to name the Ten Commandments, and I I would be really wondering if the average Catholic could even do that. Not that they even have to get them in order, you know, but like, could you name the the, the, the top ten, so to speak? You but know? You're, you're giving everybody here listening a great little memory aid, right? First three are related to God, and the last seven are related to man or natural law. So yeah. And there are basic memorates that help you to understand the Ten Commandments, but hopefully we don't, you know, I don't have time to go on that today. But yep. just to review, right? No false gods, don't take the Lord's name in vain, keep the Lord's day holy, honor your father and mother, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. It would it'd be good if, if you're to think about do all my children know these? <laughs> yeah. Do, do, does everybody in the parish know these? And then would it be cool if we could kind of have these monuments that we could maybe purchase to kind of put outside? Just as a reminder, remember there's the old law, the Ten Commandments, there's the new law, the Beatitudes. So again, th- this, this is really the basis of civilization. You think about these Ten Commandments. And when we go away from this, it is chaos. So stage one, this law was meant to be kind of like a tutor to kind of guide us in a, in a right way of thinking. But um, it's like they say, along with the 10, you had all these prescriptions that God had to give because he's guiding a stubborn and stiff-necked people. So you think about the movie Pinocchio and that along with the 10, you have all these other things. They're kind of like strings on the old Pinocchio before he became a boy. And so like when the Lord came... You felt like that there was all these, you know, ceremonial prescriptions, ritual prescriptions, civil prescriptions, along with this moral code. And it began to be a a pharisaical, like, well, I can love God just by kind of keeping all these various things in the world. It's like the Lord wanted to say, let's take it back to the heart, what's there. So it's kind of like he would cut the strings of these things that just try to control people because there were too many strings attached, so to speak. And he wanted us to live a life of sonship. Of freedom, like when Pinocchio becomes a son right. and he's able to act on his own. But he's not free from the, quote, strings of the law because we all know what did he get? A conscience, <laughs> you know? And when he told a lie, his nose grew and, uh, his nose grew and so forth. So we got to think about that is that, you know, the old law and, and all of its summary things, remember, that was just a preparation. The Old Testament's really a preparation for the gospel. You know, it was a way to kind of form a people on probationary terms to kind of kind of choose the good and the be, to live this life of love. So like Father Tom, the priest I work with, he always kind of talks about like training wheels, is that, you know, the goal is not to live a lifelong bike race with training wheels. There's a time to take them off and to ride, you know, so that really the Old Testament is kind of like training wheels. Now it's like we're given the freedom to kind of ride and live a life in the spirit. Now we're still not like you know, free from the law, so to speak. Like some people want to think, oh, we're in the New Testament. We don't need any of that stuff. No, I mean, the Lord makes it clear that, you know, we're still bound by these moral prescriptions. You know, there's a, and there's a lot more in the book of Romans and Ephesians about how to live a life of freedom. We're not free, you know, from law as such. This is, but it's the law of love. Yeah. So it's a transformation then, kind of from caterpillar to butterfly, walking from, you know, with a crutch to running, and again, from Pinocchio with strings attached to to living this new life. So we'll say this new law is uh, like the second major revelation of positive divine law, so that... Um,
writes something that the old law did not. These aren't just like uh, rules of stone. This gives us the grace of the Spirit, this new law of love. So like, you know, essentially we think about Pentecost, that's the celebration in the Old Testament when they would celebrate, you know, 50... uh, Days after leaving, you know, you know, after the Passover, I should say, and that, you know, God, they celebrate when God gave Moses the law at Mount Sinai. And for Christians, you're like, okay, 50 days after Easter, what happens? Pentecost, this is when the Lord God gives us the Holy Spirit. So that I don't want to make you live just by life on stone in the series of thou shalt not. I want you to be a son in my son living this life in the Spirit. So it's not just to imitate you know, something it's to participate, you know, it's to live that. And that, and that's a really beautiful thing. It's kind of scary because you're like, oh, wow. Um, I am responsible for this gift that we call freedom, this gift to participate in the very mind of God through my rationality and the gift of the spirit to actually try and imitate uh, who God is. So I got to try and internalize this. Remember what Jeremiah said, this is the covenant, which I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law within them. And I will write it upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So you think about some of those precepts that kind of went away. You think about the whole debate about eating certain types of foods, these dietary laws, these ritual prescriptions. It's like, okay, that that passed, but now we got to live this new law of a life in the Spirit. More than a thou shalt not, it's really thou shalt. So it's a law of charity. You know, like I was, I think I said before, my dad always said, you know, like, Basically, religion comes down to this. It's you get you just keep the Ten Commandments, you know. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it's like Christ gave us the Servant on the Mount, too. There's a whole new chapter that it's like, if I live my life in a thou shalt not mode, it's like you're kind of living in fear. Like, what can't I do? You know, like, where's the line? What can I get away with? That's not a life of charity. It's like, you know, Christ calls us to this this life. But we got to recall, remember, you know, I remember talking to this mom and her son became evangelical and he said like, all the commandments are gone, mom, you know, it's just freedom in the spirit. And she's like, what do I say to that? And I said, well, let me just quote you about, uh, you know, just read first John where basically says, you know, if we keep his commandments, uh, but, but, but I mean, if we don't keep his commandments and disobey them, we are a liar. All who keep his commandments abide in him and he in them. For this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. So basically, he's just reaffirming. You know, you think Absolutely. Of, he's like, if you want to know how to love God, stage one, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he said it very directly, <laughs> right? And what did, our, what did our Lord say to the rich young ruler, yeah. right? He says, uh, how, you know, how do I attain, attain a, eternal life? He said, well, keep the commandments. And he says, I did. So that was the first thing out of our Lord's mouth, keep right. Keep my commandments. Yeah. So that's the thing. We've got the exhortation of the Lord to kind of follow all that he said. And then we've got, this is in the Old Testament. And then we've got this also, this new um, life of virtue to try and grow into all these um, gifts of virtue. So um, that that kind of is like a, a brief summary of, again, the divine law, the old law and the new law. And I got this great image of Moses if you can imagine what the Ten Commandments look like, he's seen in the in, in the movies. Now, just imagine Moses, you know, hold them up together, and they're kind of in a shape of a heart, you know. So just imagine the two commandments kind of overlapping, and it's in the shape of, of this heart. I got this image here, and at the base of it is this gift box that's being opened. And really, it's a summary about what, what are the two great laws, the two tablets of the law, what do they kind of symbolize? Well, the Lord said it, you know. 
you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So really the new law is the law of of love. And praise be God, uh, we've got the grace that sustains us to, to help us to do this. We're not kind of on our own, right? That's the one thing about Christianity and all this stuff is that we are not orphans. We're not left alone. So that's that's the D. So now we get into F, the family law. So think about this. So all you moms and dads out there, uh, ask yourself, you know, what is your own family law? Because, again, we go from the divine law, think Old Testament, Ten Commandments, Commandment 1, 2, and 3. What's at the top of the next tablet, even before killing, stealing, uh, well. lying, cheating, false witness. I always used to tell my daughters, I said, what is the greatest commandment <laughs> of the Ten Commandments? And and they say, I, you know, honor your father and your mother, right? <laughs> yeah. Family. Humility is a problem here. <laughs> You've just trumped, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no false God. Yeah, I know. But you know, it's interesting, it's sad that we you think about, again, like I said, before all these other ones of lying, killing, stealing, you've got this honor of father and mother. And that includes authority in general, you know. There is a, a it's it's a lawful lawlessness that it starts with the rejecting family, mom and right. dad, and then it gets into obviously society. A lot of things go flow from there. And I think God had his priorities straight. Of course God comes first, right? But 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 my my mom, my uh, always had such great simple wisdom and she used to say you can't be a good father or a good husband unless you're a good son to yeah, start with. Yeah. And there's a lot of wisdom there. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of wisdom there. Well, the kind of the we mentioned this before, but like um, it's like when you ask when, when your kids are at the age where they start to date. You know, like I've got two daughters, and they always say, you know, mm-hmm. uh, look at how the young man treats his mother. Right. That's a real indicator about how he's going to treat you. How, how do they treat their parents? Now, granted, not all parents are uh, – some of them have kind of lost some level of, um, how do you say it, uh, you know, dealing with them in a certain way. But it's like we always got to honor, always respect. You hear more and more about, you know, people who just cancel family members uh, yeah. and, and they lose an honor. And when you do that, when you reject the very ones that brought you in existence, God – and parents, then it's no doubt you're going to reject, you know, other laws in this society. And, and it's a bit of, and I was not exercising that humility or, um, or lack of pride when I said that uh, little com- little comment about the greatest commandment there <laughs> about the. But having said that, look, all of us may not have the best parents in the world. Yeah, and. Uh, I think that that commandment is still, again, a commandment. It's not a suggestion. Right. And many of us children, I'll include me, have failed miserably in that. But we are called to honor our fathers and our mothers, not because of what they did for us, but because of who they are and who we are. Absolutely. And, and you know, yeah, go ahead. We'll, we are better people for it. Yeah, because it's like uh, they brought you into being. And again, you know, when you're outside of the house, especially, you know, the kind of the role changes a little bit in terms of obedience and that, that level of house rules. But it's like to ever completely shank parents and show them dishonor. It's just horrible for society, horrible for the common good. And we got to get back again. God first, family second, and then societal, you know, order there first with with laws and, and you know, the courts and cops and all that stuff so starts with the starts with god flows next to the family well we're going to take a real short break here this is your opportunity to uh, follow the rules and go and invite a friend please Uh, and we'll be back in just two minutes 
Hi, this is Matt Logeman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and 7 medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. In Latin reference, which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally, located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing, which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio, check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Well, we're back. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and we're here with Sean Miller. We're talking about Laws of God, and the acronym is DEFENSE, as the big D and FENSE. But first off, let me just, before we get right back into it, let me give you a few things that are going on. Uh, Catholic Woman of the Year, if you know a good Catholic woman, please nominate her. Call us at 636-447-6000. You know, the first thing they'll say is, look, I don't want to be nominated. But we need good examples, right, to encourage us and others. So please consider nominating a good woman for Catholic Woman of the Year. Nominations are open, and call us at 636-447-6000, and uh, we'll send you out a, 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 a nomination form. Hey, I've been visiting a lot of different parishes over the last couple of days, and I will be over the next couple of weeks, and I'll tell you why. But I was over at Ascension, and I picked up their bulletin, and they have an interesting um, event coming up on Sunday, August 28th. It's a little bit out there, but uh, you know, mark, mark your calendars. August 28th, 6.45 p.m. in the main church. And it's titled, How to Respond to Pro-Choice Arguments. And uh, the, the subtitle is, Ask the Associates. So it's these younger priests who are dealing with a, a, a very important issue today. Mm-hmm. It, it has become, uh, abortion has become where it should be in the first place, and that is on the hearts and minds of people. You know, the law will never change a heart or a mind, but we can do that, and that's what we're called to do as Catholics, as baptized Christians. It's not only up to the priests and the bishops and the lawmakers, it's up to us. So, uh, you know, take a look at this. This is very intriguing, at least for me, and I thought you might enjoy it as well. So uh, that's Ascension, uh, in Chesterfield, August 28th, 6.45. And then lastly, why am I visiting all these parishes? I was just over at your parish last week. 
It's the Knights of Peter Claver. We are, you'll find a, a, a box in many parishes where we're collecting socks for the poor. So if you'd uh, like to know where you might be able to go and drop off some socks, uh, call us at 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. The poor really need it and appreciate it. And uh, we'll have a box here at the studio too. Come by and visit us sometime. We have a chapel. You can come and say a prayer. So all right, back to the main topic. We have a lot to talk about. All right. Well, we were talking about family law, and this is something you know every family has. So think of all your house rules, going to bed on time, respecting one another, You know, especially um, <laughs> like you think about these rules, you don't let your father five-year-old shove down a Mountain Dew right before he goes to bed, right? Mm, probably not. You know, so you get the idea. This is directed to right order, the common good. And again, uh, if, if we don't discipline our children, uh, someone's got, going to, whether it's the courts, the cops, or whatever, an employer. So like, I think there's a lot of people that feel, uh, as parents, like maybe, you know, we got to be open and, you know, all this stuff. But it's like laws are meant to be good. It's all for the good order. And um, yeah, I remember this story um, – well, first, I want to say no is a loving word. There's a great sure. talk on Prager you called, you know, is your child getting enough of vitamin N? <laughs> no, you know, because again, uh, it really sets a standard. We, we all need boundaries. This is like a fence. And so parents have been given the God-given authority to set the standard to protect the common good. You know, they say sometimes for men, you got to protect your wife from your kids because they can work her over. So um, there was one story I thought about where, like, you know, the kids are always trying to, you know, get their way, right? You know, they are, are all man- uh, manipulators. It's like it comes with the package. And so there was a time, like, when my wife, Lynette, was out of the house, and so then my son, Fulton, was trying to work me over like, hey, Dad, can I have a soda? No, Dad, can I have some cookies? Dad, can I have ice cream? Dad, can I have a popsicle? You know, and he was going on and on. So he's about eight years old and about a dozen things. And finally I said, Fulton, no to everything you say for the rest of the night. No, no, no. And then what does he say? Can we pray the rosary? <laughs> he's working you over. Gosh, working. But yeah, we, but I mean, again, um, no is a loving word. Law is a beautiful gift. It really sets a standard because if they don't learn how to control themselves now, it's like I always tell the kids, you know, if no one taught you how to be potty trained, how would you feel being 20 years old, not able to control your bowels? You wouldn't have friends. You would smell. So, I mean, <laughs> this is uh, it's true. It's 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 a good thing, you know, and it's always with the intent, not for control or power, but for the common good that I want to form this kid to have self-control rather than to be out of control. And that's what laws and boundaries do. But, you know, as parents, we're just battered by society. If heaven forbid we seem to be firm or heaven forbid if you spank or have time out or be firm with these kids because they're going to lay on a guilt trip, you know, et cetera. But it's like, come on. So then that kind of goes into mother church and E, ecclesiastical laws. So praise God from honoring your mother and your father to really honoring your mother and father in, in, in the church, mother church. So ecclesiastical law is another way of saying church law. So you think about like if someone thinks of church law, they might think about the, you know, the Ten Commandments and so forth. But really we're talking about here the precepts of the church. It kind of is like you got, you've heard of canon law. That's like uh, we've got about 1,752 laws, which governs the 1.2 billion members of the church. But in terms of like you break all that down uh, in terms of what are the basic house rules of the church, and they're called the precepts of the church. So really, I would encourage everybody to try and uh, get to know these because when someone becomes Catholic, this is what I say, are you willing to do these seven basic precepts? So who knows what the precepts are? Well, we have a whole talk here on the acronym STREAMS, you know, Sunday Mass and Holy Days, tithe to God in various ways, reconcile as fast as you can, 
partake of the Eucharist. It's part of God's plan. Abstain from foods. It's good for the soul. Marriage laws protect baby at its core. Study, study, study. So that's a little cadence. But just to review those, number one, keep holy the Lord's day. Number two, lead a sacramental life. Number three, do penance, including abstaining from meat and fasting from food on the appointed days. Four, marriage laws of the church. Observe those. Five, strengthen and support the church. Six, study Catholic teaching and prep for confirmation. Seven, join in the missionary spirit and apostolate of the church. So you can break those down when you read the catechism, or this is in um, the USCCB has this list. But it's kind of like the minimum calorie intake for saying, how do I do to kind of live a so-called Catholic life? It's kind of like a good checklist for someone wanting to inquire into the church, say, all right, what are the basic things that I have to do to be a Catholic? Right. The minimum calorie intake to kind of say, this is what is kind of expected of me. So the seven precepts, ecclesiastical law, and then branching out from that is this larger thing called, called canon law. Now, it's interesting when you think about, like, we're going to speak about civil law in a second, but these canons, these laws that the church made, you know, in the midst of society, they really form the basis of Western civilization. All these different laws and guidelines we have in courts and whatnot, it's almost like the, we kind of forget about what the Catholic Church has done to kind of form this basis to govern really the the life of her society, these Catholics, and how that kind of weeded out into, into normal civil life. But um, before we get into that, I just want to mention D. F-E-N, natural law. So again, uh, when someone thinks of natural law, they might think about the laws of nature, which really right. are these physical laws like the law of gravity and, and so forth, you know. And just as a little footnote, I want to say, like, you know, we talked in the beginning about God the Father being the creator. He is the author of the physical laws. And... Uh, <clears throat> I just want to recommend a resource called Privileged Planet that speaks about how we take these laws, these elegant, fine-tuned laws for granted that we can even live and move and breathe, this amazing complexity. And they talk about how there's a lot of skeptics out there who are kind of like finely tuning in to the faith because they're seeing how fine-tuned these laws are at the microscopic and macroscopic level, these laws of just these things. If it'd be slightly changed a little bit here and there by degree, life as we know it would not exist. So right. from oxygen and our place in the universe, too close to the sun, too far away, the moon, all, all this other stuff. So, um, But again, we've got these physical laws that we can say, hey, I'm going to break the law. So, okay, I'm going to break the law of gravity. I'm going to jump off a, you know, a 30-story skyscraper. Okay, am I breaking the law? Well, really, it's breaking me when, right. when I land. So that we've got these physical laws, but we've got these spiritual laws. So natural law, we'll say, is the gift of being made in the image of God. It's our rational participation in the very mind of God who lets us share in his word, in his logos, in his reason, in his intellect. You know, so we've got this natural law that says you know, uh, do this, don't do that, you know, so that we're kind of under this, this beautiful order. And, um, you know, everybody knows they've got it. There's all things that we know that certain things are right and certain things are, are wrong. So we'll say it's kind of written in the human heart. It's no, no longer written on stone, but it's this, this thing that kind of forms in my conscience what's reflected in this, this law of the seven tablets of the old covenant law, right? So I should know instinctively that I should not do unto others that I don't want done to myself, the golden rule, right? Mm -hmm. Or I should do unto others right. what I want them to do unto me. Right. So I shouldn't probably kill because I don't want to be killed. I shouldn't lie because I don't want to be lied to. I shouldn't, you know, do X, Y, and Z, right? 
Because, again, that forms my own heart. We, we call that conscience. And then it's also kind of the empowered um, by the Holy Spirit. So this is what is shared by uh, everybody in the human race. This is what is a common bond that should unite society. If we disagree as Protestants, Catholic, Jews, Hindus, Muslims, or whatnot, we can share a bond in this natural moral law that we all know that's for the common good. You know, that we should all unite as a society. Like, you know, we might disagree on the foundations of who brought that law into being, but it's like, we got to get back to this, you know, common law. And again, really, America was built on on natural law. Absolutely. You know, you think about the Declaration of Independence, the laws of nature, of nature's God, you know, so... Um, I was just thinking about like uh, Clarence Thomas wrote a book called My Grandfather's Son, and then he was trying to uh, one of the guys that was a senator was interviewing him, and he was trying to find a chink in the armor because at the end of the day, we know that a lot of the whole case in his confirmation was about abortion. So they wanted to use anything they could to kind of thwart his nomination process. So, so the guy asked him a question about uh, natural law, and he and then Thomas says. I knew he was no philosopher, just another cynical politician looking for a chink in my armor. So all I did was ask him if he would consider having a human being sandwich for lunch instead of, say, a turkey sandwich. Oh, wow. He said, that's natural law 101. All law is based on some sense of moral principles inherent in the nature of human beings, which explains why cannibalism, cannibalism, even without a written law to proscribe it, strikes every civilized person as naturally wrong. So certain things don't need to be spelled out to know that they're wrong by nature. But civil law kind of flows from what's inside in the conscience. The problem today is we're trying to redefine what nature is. And I think last time we spoke about the abortion decision, you know, this Dobbs decision overturned Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood. And in, in the decision in Casey in 1992 were these Sad words. So Justice Anthony Kennedy wrote the, uh, the majority opinion, and he said this, At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Could, could you, I, you know, look, th- that is so profoundly wrong that it, I think it bears a second listen to. Please li- listen to this, because this is, this is just nutty. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. That's absurd. Yeah, so it's like people right now are saying, what is a man, what is a woman? But what if I said I am a seven-foot Chinese uh, midget female? Right. And, uh, I've, and, I've, and if you don't accept me, I'm going to sue you. I have a right to be in your second-grade class. I have a right to give, uh, get funds from the government because maybe I'm an immigrant or I'm a minor or I'm, I'm black, I'm white, I'm Chinese, et cetera. You're like... Where does the line draw? But right now we're having this debate like, well, what is a woman? What is a man? But you're like, could you imagine it? If we can define who we are, we don't discover nature. We define what it is. But this is what we're going on in, in society. And right now, you know, um, it's, it's a battle. It's a cultural war. Yeah. And it is a, it's little by little. These things happen little by little. A, a number of years ago in Missouri, uh, there was actually a law civil law against adultery, right? Mm-hmm. The ninth commandment. And, uh, but that was, that was uh, set aside, right? So part of the civil law was following natural law, yeah. and little by little, it's being chipped away. Yep. And, you, and then you, that's why people are confused. 
Well, we, this we, is why we said in the beginning, like, you know, the walls of our society are right. governed by laws within. you got the external, internal. But as soon as you try to change those laws within, then what? who are we as a people? So again, I, I just uh, want to have people think about this. Is like we got to get back to just you know, like Father Tom said, everyone talks about you know homophobia and transphobia and all these phobias. He's like, right now we're fighting realophobia. Yeah, we're fighting what is reality, and that we got to live not by lies and just acknowledge things for what it is. Because if we go down this road of saying, well, I am this biologically, but I want you to call me this or ask this pronoun, well then, where does that end? Because uh, then. I am a man, I am a woman, I'm no longer 20, I'm 50. If I'm 80, I want to be 20. If I'm 30, I can be in your second grade class, or I can be whatever ethnic nationality I, I, I can be. And it really, it, it goes down the law of this road of absurdity. So since we're speaking about America, I just want to mention Catechism 1776, which is huh, a really? good line. This is a great line. It says, deep within his conscience, man discovers a law which he has not laid upon himself, but which he must obey. Its voice, ever calling him to love and to do what is good and to avoid evil, sounds in his heart at the right moment. For man has in his heart a law inscribed by God. His conscience is man's most secret core and his sanctuary. There he is alone with God, whose voice echoes in his depths. That is a beautiful quote, 1776. Our Declaration of Independence, the laws of nature, nature's God, it's really you know, beautiful to have this kind of linked up here that it's this conscience. And then from that conscience, then we formulate civil laws for the common good. But if we don't follow the natural law inscribed by God, it's going to be a nightmare. Absolutely. And be careful. Law. Let's not distort our conscience. We got to build our conscience. And as you said, the world is trying to, to work against this there. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Kruitz. We're with Sean Miller, and we're talking about Laws of God, and our acronym today is DEFENSE, the big D and then offense. All right, <laughs> right and yeah. where, where are we at? So we're talking about natural law. Now, this is interesting. So if every human person has universally been given this capacity to know such things, right, by the use of reason, then why doesn't everyone get it? You know, why don't we all perceive it clearly? Well, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. So we, Humpties and Dumpties, we're cracked up, and so we're broken. And so that's what we call original sin, that we don't see things clearly in our mind. We don't choose things good in our will. So God has got to come and restore us, make us a new egg. That's welcome to Christianity. Christ comes to re, you know, reform us and to give us a new life in him, beginning with baptism and the gifts of the Spirit. And it's an ongoing spiritual battle warfare. You know, and then just like I said about the sticker, uh, you know, on the hairdryer, he's you know, also made clear this revelation that you should get it, you know, first by natural law. But in case you don't, here's the sticker. Here's the new law of love. Here's someone to give you the grace to kind of respond to it. And then let's go forth so that we're meant to kind of live a life following this natural law conscience. But if you want to see where it goes wrong, what we've just been talking about in our society with not following nature then Romans 1, what happens when we don't acknowledge the Creator? We fall into wickedness. It said God hand, hands them over. He gave them up to in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies. He gave them up to dishonorable passions. And then he talks about exchanging relations, natural for unnatural, since they did not fit 
see fit to acknowledge God. He gave them up to a base mind and improper conduct. So guess what? One of the worst penalties that can happen if we continually reject natural law is that we get to enjoy the fruits of our own sin and then become addicted and then are, and then can be lost. So the, the goal of, of Christians in society is to uphold the natural law and then to make this into civil law for the common good. I mean, uh, so this is CCC Catechism 1959. The natural law, the Creator's very good work, provides the solid foundation on which man can build the structure of moral rules to guide his choices. It also provides the indispensable moral foundation for building the human community. Finally, it provides the necessary basis for the civil law with which it is connected, whether by a reflection that draws conclusions from its principles or by additions of a positive and juridical nature. So it's like it's meant to kind of flow from the natural law of these civil laws. But I, I got this comic that I love. It's this woman walking out of this court. And she's complaining to her lawyer, saying, they are so judgmental. <laughs> you know? I think so. Thou shalt not judge. But it's like, what do you mean by that? Judge not lest you be judged? Well, that really means prejudice. You don't judge a book by its cover. You get to the root. You know, you get the facts then decide. But it's like sometimes people think that we want to throw out all law, all courts, all rules, rules because there's this thing within us that says, I will determine my own rules. Yeah, that's sort of uh, uh, the basis of uh, original sin, right? I will determine what's truth and what's not. Yep. And that that confusion, if you will, you know, we're not supposed to judge other people. We're not supposed to judge our own heart. But what are we not supposed to do? It's judging the motivation, judging what is in one's heart, right? That's God's job. But we are obligated to look at objective and everybody Action. does it. If someone is it, just kidnapping your kid or pummeling him on the ground, you don't say, well, I wonder what's in his heart. You're going to deal with the objective reality of what's going on. I'm protecting And should. Him. Yeah. And if you don't, you are a weak coward. I mean, so it's like we've got to protect you know, things and get over this whole emotional, um, I don't want to be judgmental stuff. It's like, yeah, you never ju- should judge a person, sir, because you don't know the situations of maybe why. But you can certainly say that action externally is wrong. We'll work out the details, and God can work it out later. With, and with and I know I've told you this story before, and I'll, I'll say it briefly, but I was in Santiago, Chile, and a, one of my colleagues and I were walking down the street. We're about to cross this main thoroughfare. It was called Onza de Septiembre. It's the the street named after the revolution. And we, we were about... We, I, I stopped at the corner, and we're in this intense conversation. She steps into the street, and uh, she's small, and I'm big, and I physically grabbed her and lifted her back onto the sidewalk because she was going to be hit by a car. Yeah. I don't know what was in her heart. I assume it was pure motives, right? <laughs> but as a Christian, as a brother, that's what we do to our brothers when they are falling mm-hmm. it, it, objectively into a bad, bad space. We want to help them. So that's not being judgmental. Right. That's being charitable. Yeah, and you think about it, so it's like, I'm not making up these rules. I'm trying to follow the very God who gave them to me about right. certain things, the laws of charity and whatnot. So it's like, you know, question your own motives in light of God's revealed law and then say, I'm trying to imitate him. There you go. You know, this is him, and, and it's out of love. So just to kind of cap off our time here together, this flows into then civil law. So like th- think about civil law. It's a body of rules that defines and protects the private rights of citizens. So there's international laws, national laws, state laws, local laws, federal laws. There's a lot of laws. 
in fact, you know, it's wild that, you know, we're supposed to live this life of freedom, but everyone says this, but we're a very litigious, however you say the word, litigious society. There's a lot of suing going on, but it's kind of from their sense of personal property that I, I have been given this gift. It's my own property, and uh, I have got to protect those very things that I hold dear, both internally and for the sake of, of the common good. So you think of all the civil laws from traffic lights to copyrights to, you know, anything the states are trying to do to personal property laws. It all flows. It's meant to be a very moral outflow. But unfortunately, I think in society, we're getting way too complex with this over litigation. And it's almost like an Old Testament, you know, governance of those mosaic laws that try to really, uh, I don't know, straightjacket or put strings on society. And we've kind of lost sight of like, what's the heart behind all these laws supposed to be? You know, it's really, you know, protect the common good, serve justice, you know, and then kind of make, in a sense, the playing field, you know, opportune for those who want to pursue the, 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 the true good. So kind of in summary then, so divine law, family law, ecclesiastical law, natural law, civil law, draw the line underneath them. And it's like addition, you've got eternal law. This all flows into eternal law, the logos, the mind of God. It's an amazing thing to ponder when it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh. The word for word there, logos, is like God's reason, God's intellect. You know, this word, this rationality of God becomes flesh in the person of Christ. And then in the spirit then comes inside of us. So we get to participate in the very mind of God by, by following this gift so that we can know what the mind has in mind. And that's a very great luxury to say that I'm not an orphan here just kind of trying to find her out, you know, uh, live according to what, you know, maximize pleasure, minimize pain. I can become excellent in what I was called to be by knowing these guidelines. I can know this mind of God and I can live accordingly. I can become the best version of myself. I can become in a word holy. It's like we talked about the sports analogy. Now that I know what the mind has in mind, now I know what the rules are. Now that I know these are for my common good, now that I know that these are freedom for excellence, I can become excellent, sinner that I am, but I've got the gifts and the means to not just know the law, but then to have the grace to try and follow it. And we've also got medicine along the way in the sacraments to kind of repair it where I go wrong. There you go. Well, the hour has slipped by, and Sean, I, I, I'll conclude this hour a little bit differently. i got to thank you for coming. I mean, thank you for coming here so often. We, you know, here at St. Joseph Radio, what I think we try and do, as John Paul said, in our faith, we try and have the head and the heart, right? We, you know, reason and faith, and, and you help us get to that point where the dove is flying well on reason and faith. So yeah. thank you. Thank you for coming, and thank you for Good doing this. I remember when I started listening to Catholic Radio, this is exactly why I started listening. So I'll encourage you all to... Encourage another friend to listen, where we continue to try and grow our heart, get closer to God, and, and at the same time, make sure we inform our conscience we have a good reason for it. So uh, go, have a good week, join us again next week, and uh, uh, be a blessing to the world.
You, you summed it up well. Joseph Radio presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.